Welcome to this virtual service at Westchester Chapel. Thanks for listening to this message that comes directly from God's Word. To hear more, visit westchesterchapel.org and click on Media. Now grab your Bible as we dig into it together. Do you do what your doctor tells you to do? (laughs) Be honest. After your yearly physical, some blood tests, the doctor says, well, you know, there's a prescription or two I want you to pick up. Oh, okay. He's got it. He's an expert. She's an expert. Exercise more. You need more vitamin B. Not sure what that does. Stop eating as much red meat as you are. Add leafy greens, the doctor in my own house says. And cut out that cream because skim milk is better in your coffee. And then, oh, by the way, you probably should see a cardiologist and a dermatologist and on and on. So their advice is is the doctor is telling you exactly what they feel from their perspective and their experts. And uh, we listen, we listen carefully, and then we don't quite do all of it, right? We want their advice, we hear their advice, but we don't do their advice often. I was just at a uh, doctor's office recently where I had to get something for my, uh, for my shoe to help with a, an issue with my foot. And, and he goes, he was, always, he was just assuming I was not going to do what he was going to say. He's just assuming it. He says, well, you need to do this, this, and this. I said, oh, okay. He goes, pull out your phone. I went, okay. He says, I'm going to pull it up here on uh, Amazon. Take these pictures. I went, okay. I'm taking the picture. This is what you need to get. He goes, okay. I got it right here. You have no excuse. Okay. I've got it right here. That's what I need. That's the kind of doctor I need. Just like, you know, he's just assuming I'm not going to pay attention. So open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 7, 24. And we're going to deal with this issue just a bit. That whole idea of the advice God gives us and how hard it is sometimes to pull it off, to actually do it. And great testimonies this morning, because that really showed it, I think, some difficult, difficult situations. God clearly said something, and we struggled with filling it, struggled with doing it. Matthew seven twenty four, and it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, the floods fell, the winds blew, and it beat down that house. But it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. Right? The verse we all know. We sang this in Sunday school often, probably, if we were there. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Right? The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it fell, and a great was the fall of it. The two people, the wise man and the foolish man, exactly the same, exactly the same house, exactly the same storm, but the result was different. And it was all because of the word. It was all because of the words that God had spoken. Jesus is speaking to a crowd he's talking to. And they not only heard, they (laughs) did in the first group. The second foolish man heard, but did not do. And it affects how the foundations of our lives go. The bottom line is, very simply, is that if we do what the Lord tells us to do, 
Things go differently in our lives. I would say better in our lives, but at least they line up with what he wants more and more. The foundation is solid, and that's what we want. Matthew is writing all of this uh, down, and he's, he's putting it in this, uh, this context to these people listening because they would have understood what it meant for a house to fall and be destroyed. They found in Nazareth just recently the, the foundations of an, a house there from the first century. It's exactly what this is. It's stones piled up in a square, and that's what they rested the house on and, and attached it to. First century, that's what they had. They had stones. They did exactly this. But the foolish man is just building, and it's not on anything. And so the foundation becomes very unstable in our lives. So this particular scripture uh, ends what we call uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we all probably are aware of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew is recording what Jesus said. This is one of the first things that Jesus taught in his ministry, the first year of his ministry. It was delivered probably all at one time. It's in various other places in scripture, pieces of it, but this seems to be all at one time. The version in Luke is a different, a slightly different version. And we think maybe Jesus taught it at a different time with something that applied to that group of people he was talking to. So there, it was a flood that came, not a storm in this, this group. So maybe he was talking in a certain place where the floods were about to take down the houses. So it only takes five or ten minutes to read straight through this. But it takes a lifetime, I would say, to learn to do what it says. Just these verses. I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about the Old Testament. I'm talking about just the Sermon on the Mount. would take us a lifetime to get through these. But the hearing of wisdom can happen all at once. You can hear it, and we all hear it, this hearing of wisdom. But the doing of the wisdom is not intended to happen all at once. That's not what God intended, although it sort of sounds like this in these, in these verses. Everyone who hears these words of mine and, and does them will, put, will be a wise man, does them right there, doesn't do them. It sounds very final. The rest of scripture would say that it doesn't happen quite that way for most of us. It might be one bit of wisdom needs to happen right away, but it's, it's a little different. This, this scripture is just very concise. It's, it's illustrated with, with a, a word picture. No, I'm going to get to this in a little bit. But it's, it's illustrated with a word picture, and it makes an impact. You can see in your mind a house collapsing and see in your mind a house that is not being shaken at all. So as disciples on this lifelong journey that we're on, and on together, by the way, we can put his word into action into our daily lives only with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So unless you start there, this verse is just going to be pain for you. It's just going to cause pain. This is not to be lived out by yourself going, hey, Lord, I can do this. Look at these verses. This is no problem at all. Huh. Okay. Anger. Oh, retaliation. Oh, love your enemies. Okay, I can do it. No problem. This is a piece of cake. I'll just dive right into this. Well, no, it does not work like that. The Holy Spirit is vital uh, in all of this. If you look at John 16, um, 7, by the way, if you can turn over there, I'm just going to read it to you. John 16, starting at verse 7. This is what Jesus said. It's toward the end of his ministry at this point. Nevertheless, 
I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. Right? He was going to die and he was going to be going back uh, to the Father. If I, do, if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judge. This is what I wanted you to see. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's the idea. The Holy Spirit that we have as soon as we're born again, as soon as we've accepted the Lord Jesus into our heart, we get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit there is there to guide us with the word, the understanding of the word uh, specifically. So Jesus the King, which was Matthew's whole thought when he was doing Matthew, he's proclaiming Jesus the King to a Jewish audience that the kingdom has come that Jesus is the king that was expected. So this is important context. And he's saying that this king who's coming, he's going to give you this life with a strong foundation if you'll just obey what he says. He's, that's a promise that he wants to give to us. I don't know about you, but friends of ours who live near Three Mile Island put together a what they call the go bag. You know what that is? People in a disaster or something, they get everything they need, important papers and food and safety things and things like that. And you have it always there and you're ready and you take it and you go. Because they were never sure what was going to happen at Three Mile Island, you know, because there was like one road in and one road out. And unless you were there and you were finding the right road to get out of there, you were going to be in the middle of a nuclear disaster and you couldn't leave. So one of the reasons they shut it down. People in that area did not want to be in the middle of all this, but they made this go bag. Linda and I thought about it for about 10 minutes, and we do have one. In the back of our closet is a little yellow bag. It's about this big, and it has every important paper that we have. So with nothing in there to drink, (laughs) nothing in there to eat, but we can show people who we are. I don't know what that does for us. We wanted to do it, but we have not done it. But why should we decide to put the word into action in our lives anyway and apply its truth? Why, I mean, why, why should we even think about doing that? It's, a, it's throughout scripture. Do it and obey it. In fact, it says very clearly that obedience is, is equivalent to love in scripture, right? You're showing God that you love him by being obedient to him. Easier said than done, but it's filled. It's filled. And the Lord with the Holy Spirit guiding us, will bring things up into our lives, like we heard today, that are calling you to put something into action. The Holy Spirit brings it up, guides us in how to do it, and it's our job to be obedient to do that, even though it may be hard for a lot of different ways. But there's two important reasons that are right in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I wanted to talk to you about these real quickly to see how this, this works. So look at 5.1, Matthew 
This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying that I have the truth and I have the truth. I have the truth. I have the truth. He has the truth. He is the truth. He has the truth. Why do we go other places to get it? I don't know. He has it. So we know that's, that's true is because if you look at 5.1, he says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and began to teach. But go to 8.1 and just look there. 8.1 says, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, and it goes on. What, what's the thing that's consistent with those two? Well, the crowd is one consistent thing. I hadn't thought about that. What's the other one? Mountain. He went up the mountain to teach them there. At the end, he came down the mountain. Who else did that? Who comes to Mount? Yeah, Moses. Moses did that. And so one of the things and the reasons this is here, the reason Jesus is saying this, the reason it's arranged like it is, is because he's trying to say, I am the new Moses, really. I, I don't have to compare to him. I'm beyond him. I have the truth. Moses went to the mountain, came down to the mountain, and he had the truth. And the people said, okay, this is God is speaking to us now. God is bringing us the truth. It's the same thing here. It's, it's really no different. So people do all kinds of things to the word of God and say it's all kinds of things. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're missing the point. It's the truth of everything that we need to know to live our lives. Jesus is sitting there the same way Moses did. He's receiving the word from God to him. And he's getting this truth and he's giving it. And that's the way the whole New Testament goes. Jesus was speaking what the Father was saying to him. The important thing here, though, too, that we don't really see unless we went back to the verses in Moses. But if you went back to Exodus and you looked at those verses where Moses did it, you know what they did? All of the people there were being kept away from God. Do you remember that? Moses had to say, don't come any closer, right? He put up all kinds of barriers. Don't do this. Don't rush ahead. God tells them, don't let them rush ahead. This is dangerous. They will die if they come too close. The holiness of God could not do it. They just, he was, Moses was fighting the people off, it seemed like. Don't come. He had the truth of God, but people couldn't get to the God that was giving it to them. What is this here? What is Jesus doing? He's sitting there inviting crowds of people to come. He's not turning away anybody. He's not putting up any barrier. He's like saying, God's here. I'm your Savior. I'm your Messiah. Come close exactly the opposite in that way but it's here as a picture for us that the word of god is coming to jesus he's to be relied upon remember matthew's writing this as a proof right to other people to know that jesus is the messiah that he's the king that he's the one who has come and this is one of the things he's saying look look at this look at what happened he put these things down saying this is how it worked out and i'm noticing this and i'm going to write it down here and I'm going to finish it in 8.1 and I'm going to write it down so that you have a picture, this Jewish people were writing to, you have a picture that this is the truth. It's the truth that we need. He is our truth. In John 14.10, Jesus says, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does his work. Multiple times in Scripture, he says, It's not me speaking. When I give you this wisdom, whatever it is, God is talking directly through me and 
I am giving it to you. Jesus obviously was God as well, but as his role in Messiah on earth, he was listening all the time. I have a book I want to write. I have dozens of them I want to write. I don't know how that's going to be. I hope God's not telling me to do it and I'm not doing it, but I have another one that that I want to say, the perfect disciple. And who is the perfect disciple? Paul. No. Jesus. Jesus was the perfect disciple. He did exactly what God told him to do, right? Disciples are learners and they follow and they do what they see the leader doing, their teacher doing. Jesus was perfect. He didn't do anything unless the Father was telling him, the Holy Spirit in him, it says in some cases. And so it's just the truth. So I guess one of our first points we have to notice in all of this as we're looking at these scriptures, which are very, very It's just, we'll look at them in just a moment. It's just impossible to look at these scriptures and not be overwhelmed. But we start with the fact that we know that they're true. So don't let anybody say, it's a made up book, on and on and on and on. It's the word of God. There's just too many reasons for it not to be that we can't go into now. Some point we should, but you understand. God was giving the truth to mankind. By the way, it's very easy to to see in Scripture, it says multiple times, that the truth is living and active. It's not just pages of print on pages in a book, right? It's living and active. You have experienced this, I know. And for those that are listening online, it's good to know that this is actually something that proves it's the Word of God. You can interact with the Word, with the Spirit, doing what the Spirit does, and all of a sudden... It comes to life in you and you're either empowered to do it or you've gotten something from the Lord that says, I want you to do this. Other people, and you've had this experience, maybe with others you've talked to, are just reading it and go like, I don't see anything special. It's one of the reasons that you have to have the Holy Spirit in you to understand it. So many people consider it just to be another uh, book. By the way, do you know what WWJD what would Jesus do, right? You've heard that. Uh, you, you think it comes from the 80s where there was a woman, Janny, I think her, Janny, I don't know what her last name was. She was from a uh, youth leader in Michigan. And she was struggling with how to get this whole point into the students. And so in the 80s, right? Isn't that surprising? Well, it goes back to the 1400s. So don't, it's, it's been around a long, a long time, the whole concept, you know. And so it finally got to the point where they made little bands, and it lasted for a while, and people were walking around with them. I don't know if you ever had one, but I, I remember it at our teen camp, uh, junior high camp, and I was running it, that we were handing those out at one point. And it was a struggle. It was a struggle. One of the things that draws me back to the Word is saying to it, no matter what, God's calling me to do, I know it's the truth. And it's, it motivates me more than a band on my hand, knowing what Jesus would do, which is all good. But I need to know deeper thing. I need to know why I should do this. There's been a number of you here uh, who have had to make very hard decisions about what to do. And usually we saw some of them up here. I know some of them that were not told up here that are about the... The uh, opposition you get from people who don't understand the way you're thinking or what you're doing, which is always an issue with this. We come back. It's the truth. It's like Melanie's story about Halloween. It's on and on. It's like, it's the truth. What do you, wanna, what do you want me to do? 
But there's another thing here that I want you to see, which is, I think, very interesting as well. And the reason I think Matthew decided to keep the whole Sermon on the Mount together didn't have to be, right? Each of the gospel writers, they can, they can chop things up and put them in different places if they'd like to serve the purpose of what, who they're trying to reach. And obviously the Holy Spirit guides that whole process, and that's why we have the canon. That's why we have this all put together. But Matthew decided to keep them all together. And I'll, I'll tell you why I think that is. If you go back to the beginning in 423, well, it's, I don't know if it's on that page, probably on the next one, 423. Look at 423. And 423 says this. These are the crowds that met Jesus when he was going to teach. These are before that point. So he said, and when we, they went throughout all of Galilee, and he went throughout all of Galilee, uh, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So Matthew's writing right in here what was happening. What are the keys? What are the keys? What are the keys for the kingdom coming? Healing, right? The gospel being proclaimed. That's what he was doing. This is at the beginning of his ministry. Not only that, he was doing it to Greeks and Romans and people throughout the world. He was at the Decapolis, right? The 10 cities filled with people from around the world, trading, trading cities. But it's interesting that he puts that there, but then he comes down to this. So there's the hope of the gospel. There's healing of human affliction through both the kingdom things, but there's another kingdom thing that's in the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount from the beginning to the end, you would, first of all, um, I think, at least this is what happens to me, is I say to myself, how in the world could you ever do any of this? How could you do any of this? Love your enemies? They're beating you. You know, Romans were beating the people at the time, taking what they owned. Love them. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what everybody was saying to them. The Pharisees were saying this. But I say to you, and you'll see that phrase a lot in here, right? But I say, but I say, but I say, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. What Matthew is trying to say, another reason this word is so important is it's here, especially the Sermon on the Mount, is it reorients you to line up with God. We don't think like God. We think like the, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we go like, you know what? This is, here's what you really should do. You really should hate your enemy. Love your neighbor. That's what you really should do. And that's what they were teaching the people. They were religious leaders. That's what they were teaching them. Jesus says, no, not at all. Love those that persecute you. That's wild in your mind. Can you imagine saying that at work? Or with people, friends that don't understand the gospel? Or us? who do understand it, is tough. Love those that persecute you. Lord. <laughs> and one of the reasons is our mind is oriented toward the world. We think along those lines, and it is so hard for us to get, take this other line, which is God's thought. Very hard for us to, to take this line, which is God. That's how God thinks. Pray for those who persecute you. That's how the Lord thinks. That's certainly the way Jesus did it. Right? That's certainly how he did it. But that's only, that's only one. It's, it's throughout here. 
the orientation of all of this is he's saying, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone takes your tunic, give him another one. Give him your cloak as well. So this is wild stuff the Lord is asking you to do. And these are the things that are in here for us to do. The verses we're looking at at the back say, everyone then who hears these words, these are the words. These are the ones he wants us to actually do. So I want to say to you the second thing, beside it being the truth, it's very clear that Scripture reorients our life to align with what God thinks. All of Scripture. This is, this is a dramatic view of it because everything is like, not this, do this. Not this, do this. Here's what these people taught. Don't do that. Do what I teach. So it's very direct in this section. And if you read this section, you'll see this over and over and over again. He's trying to reorient them so that their thinking is like God. Their thinking is like Jesus. To be like Jesus. That's a goal. To think like Jesus thinks. That's a goal. So the word of God is alive. It brings conviction at times. And, uh, and then we have to deal with, oh, Lord, please. I just don't want to do this. We'll pray and, and uh, go from there. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your goodness, your graciousness, and your kindness. Because you are the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you because you are good. Father, we thank you for your word. We agree, Father, that it is challenging, but Lord, it's the truth. You're trying to get our minds oriented to the way you think, Lord God. Fill us once again with your Holy Spirit, that we would have his power and his strength to follow what Matthew is teaching us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord. And uh, give us strength, Lord. We may uh, be here and we may be uh, having a hard decision in our lives this very day or, or this week. Uh, something that we just cannot come to grips with actually doing, although we know you're calling us to do it. Or, Lord, we have a situation that we're afraid to ask you about. <laughs> certainly have been there, Lord. We're afraid to ask you because you may tell us what we don't want to hear. (laughs) And then, Lord, we know we'd have to do it. So, Father, if that's the case with anyone here or anyone listening or anyone listening online, Father, give them the courage to do what you want them to do. And Father, we ask that you would send your spirit to guide and to lead and to comfort because we know in the end what you've asked us to do will impact the world. Obedience impacts the world. Obedience to the word gives us this foundation that will impact the world. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we put the word into practice. We put the word into practice. We don't just hear it. 
we actually put it into practice. That's the Lord. That's the lesson for today. Would you bow your heads with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we pray this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus, our peace, our Messiah, our Lord. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening. After hearing the message today, if you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus or rededicate your life to him, why not do it now? Pray with me right where you are. Lord Jesus, I turn from going my own way and I choose to follow you. Forgive me for my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross to cover them and rising again from the dead. I choose now to live for you and I receive your life into mine. Amen. If you prayed with us, get in touch through our contact page at westchesterchapel.org. There you can find more information on how to grow in your faith and where we meet. We'd love to have you join us.